now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cooldown Time. I am your graphically outdated host, Marco. And joining me, of course, is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, you got a beer in hand. You look you look, you look, look relaxed, slightly yeah. unhinged, slightly disheveled, but that's per uh, usual. But how are you doing, man? What's going that's on? That's actually the look I'm going for. I wake up every day looking pristine and proper, and I do everything I can to look like a complete and utter mess to match the state of my mind. But I'm doing great, man. Mm. Uh, everything is uh, going great i am foregoing all responsibilities and just uh playing the hell out of starfield uh almost obsessively uh to the point where i got a problem yeah well i mean we know but uh yeah yeah, that's that's good to hear um probably the most honest you've been uh in in an intro to our show uh probably ever about your mental state uh your your physical appearance i mean you really covered a lot of bases in the last 32 seconds that's pretty interesting yeah, you know, I think uh, I think playing Starfield and opening my eyes to the galaxy and beyond has really uh, led me to uh, feel m- more in touch with myself. Let me tell you, 1986. I don't need you to well, feel uh, in touch with yourself. I don't need you to touch yourself. I don't need anything about touching right now in the intro ooh, of the show. Too late, baby. Nah, that's no. See, put your shirt back on. Put you your, can't see my hands. There's a reason. All right, and we lost 17 listeners right now in <laughs> in one fell swoop. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you though on the Starfield front. Been playing a lot of that. We will obviously be catching up our listeners on how we're doing. Uh, one week removed from the early access launch to Starfield, but we have plenty of other things to talk about this week as well. Uh, for those of you who are returning listeners, thank you for dropping by once more to check out our show. If you're a new listener, thanks for giving us a try. We're a weekly gaming podcast where two guys just cool down, uh, crack jokes apparently about masturbating, uh, and we just talk Not about video joke. games, man. We, t- <laughs> we talk about video games. We deal with Pablo uh, to varying degrees of success, and we try to have a good time doing it um, without turning to drugs. So, well, yeah, um, we're going to go ahead and kick the show off, Pablo, here uh, with the segment dedicated to the games that we've been playing uh, since our listeners last heard from us, and that is called Loadouts. Let's go. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Pablo. So we obviously are going to talk about Starfield, but before we get there, uh, I think it'd be fun to kind of talk about some of the other things we've been playing before we get into Starfield talk once again for the three listeners who are like, I'm sick of hearing about Starfield everywhere. Uh, first off, get take over some, it. Yeah, take some medicine. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to tell stopping. you. you just, just go read one of the, the millions of, of ridiculously bad reviews about the game that aren't fair, uh, and you'll, you'll get sure, your sure. fix of, of anti-Starfield talk. Um, I actually want to talk about a game that I have um, really been interested in. I've had an eye on this forever, Pablo, because it, it is the uh, spiritual successor to uh, an old favorite franchise of mine that has long since been dormant, uh, formerly of the Dreamcast and even the OG Xbox, and that mm-hmm. is uh, Jet Set Radio. 
So uh, Spiritual Successor just came out recently by the name of Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. And uh, I decided to go ahead and get my hands on this game. It's kind of this, this you know, counterbalance between that and, and sci-fi games that I've been playing a lot of. And I just needed something to kind of get me away from that for a bit. Um, and this seemed like the perfect thing to do. And um, I have to be honest with you, man. As far as spiritual successors go in video games, this easily is probably top three material for me wow. in terms of okay. in terms of like sheer faithfulness to the core um, material it's inspired by uh, just the way that the game feels a lot of the throwbacks um, that, that it brings to the table both in terms of art style and visuals even bringing over a lot of the uh, some of the blemishes from the Jet Set Radio's uh, visual aesthetic back in the day for, with how certain things are rendered and textured in that, wow, this feels like I'm playing a backwards compatible game kind of way, but even, but it's new. Uh, and it's really, really interesting uh, because it works. It just it it works in a way where it's it is extremely faithful to Jet Set Radio, uh, particularly future. Um, but. It does modernize some things, particularly with controls and how you move around uh, in a way that's far and beyond better than uh, the its its uh, its predecessor, spiritual predecessor, I guess I guess I'd say. But um, this I mean, you can this is you can flat out call it a sequel, and it, it wouldn't bad. I was not, just gonna you know? say like this is basically a sequel, uh, and, yeah. and in terms of of how it is, I have to be honest. This is one of the most fun games I've played this year so far, hands down. Um, it feels so good to play it. Um, everything that you love, if you're if you're a fan of Jet Set Radio Future, is here. Everything from the art style to the 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 soundtrack. It, the soundtrack is incredible. Um, the skating, the the graffiti tagging, it's all there uh, with with very nice and welcome improvements, uh, quality of life wise, to make things feel really good. Um, so I'm having a blast with this, man. It 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 is uh it is not for Pablo. I want to be very clear. This is not a Pablo video game. I mean, I like Jet Set Radio a lot. You're not gonna like this enough to 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 play a lot of it if you got it. Well, Trust I can't, me. I can't. I don't have. To, I don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth. You on this say thing. that, but I'm going to no, roast your boots off in a minute when you get to no, your but shit. I was always gonna play this <laughs> other game that I have on my loadout. That yeah, wasn't yeah, for sure yeah. a thing. I was always gonna play it. We're gonna we get to that. that, but uh, but look, I I will say this. Um. This has been a pretty down year, I think, for me on a personal level with video games. I've mentioned that on the show many times. A lot of the stuff that was supposed to be a hit for me didn't hit. And a lot of stuff that, you know, I was looking forward to just kind of ended up being lukewarm at best. So this was one that I admit I became more cynical about as time went on because I'm like, oh, it's a spiritual successor. But how many times have I seen a spiritual successor to something else? And it ends up being just all right. And this is finally an example of a game that does that incredibly well. Um, now, I will say as a fair warning, it is very, very accurate to a fault. Like I said, some yeah. things that it's doing intentionally to make it feel old school is going to make it feel a bit dated to some people. Um particularly with uh, minimal voice acting um, fonts and text can be, can feel a little bit like um, 
not a, not aesthetically pleasing to look at, but they're trying to retain the same Dreamcast art style uh, and HUD elements as before. So take that for what you will. If that doesn't bother you and you're a fan of this series, go right on and get it right away at full price. It's worth every dollar. If you want to wait it out, no problem. Might come to Game Pass someday. You never know. But yeah. overall, I think this is a fantastic rebirth of a Dreamcast classic that I highly recommend. So uh, definitely a good one. That's that's dope. I mean, I know that uh, a lot of people were praising it and loving it, and then reviews started to kind of pour out, and they were kind of like middling. They're like seventy eight, I think, on Open Credit last time I checked. So that that was something where I was interested to see what you would think about it. And honestly, all those who've played like an incredible video game and then move on to the next thing, usually kind of sometimes it falls short. So the fact that Bomb Rush Cyberpunk is working for you even on the heels of, of a Starfield, uh that that's really impressive, honestly. Yeah, it, it's tricky with any spiritual successor because everyone kind of thinks they know what they want a spiritual successor to do. And then when they get it, people can get yeah. weird about it and go, Oh, well, you know, I didn't want it to be that much like the original material. I wanted it to be a little different. So I think the goalpost, much like it is with every game, kind of goes all over the the map. Um, yeah. But especially with spiritual successors like this. But I, yeah, I mileage think mileage will always vary on the on absolutely. Those. And I, for me, I think the mileage is going to be. I'm going to finish this game for sure. Probably going to eke in my top ten list by the end of the year, uh, unless this game just completely shits the bed in some kind of way. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm loving it so far. Um, awesome. Now, up next, um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to play episode four of The Expanse yet. Um, no, man, I'm telling no. you, I've been I've been really obsessed with with Starfield. Okay. Um, like I played like I think like I'm not even joking. I think I might have played like 15 hours yesterday. That's a lot of time of your life. Wow. I hope your yeah, family's yeah. okay. Um, but you know, <laughs> uh, I, I got a chance to play episode four of The Expanse, and uh, for those of you that's been tuning in for the last few weeks, um, you, you've heard me and Pablo gradually kind of lose interest in the game little by little uh, because of just a lot of momentum was lost after episode one, which we both thought was very good. Uh, episodes two and three were just kind of middling, meandering, not all that great. I will say episode four is definitely a huge improvement. Um, oh, thank God. The action, the story beats pick up very rapidly. It starts off a little slow. You're going to okay, you're going to yeah. play it. It's going to be a little bit more of the same like dereliction ship thing, but they add a lot of story into it. I don't want to spoil too much because you haven't played sure. it. And obviously our listeners haven't played it if you're playing along with us. Um, but man, a lot of interesting things happen about, um, you know, Kamina's past. Um, you start seeing a couple of characters from the TV show make some cameos. So it starts okay. getting a little interesting there. So I, I'm really, really excited about episode five now. I will say the only downside is that a lot of the choices that you make in episode four are very, very minimal. There's they're, They don't seem to be very impactful at all. And when you get to the end of the chapter and you see all the choices that you made compared to other players, you're like, oh, that was what you guys were like logging me doing i didn't even know that mattered so yeah it feels like they've been with each episode they've been they've been scaling back it, on that more and yeah more. yeah so you're not going to feel a lot of like big ramifications take shape from what you've chosen to do in previous chapters this is very it feels very self-contained in, in terms of player choices uh, so take that for what you will um but 
I definitely think this is a step in the right direction. Uh, okay. Definitely a good comeback chapter for sure. I think you'll I think you'll come away from it going, wow, that was actually pretty dope. I, I liked how it went with the story and characters and some revelations and stuff like that. Pretty good. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, Pablo, I'm going to give you the choice here. Do you want to talk about Starfield or do you want to talk about the other game that you shouldn't have bought, but you bought <laughs> because you got FOMO Let- problems? Yeah, let me let me talk about Baldur's Gate three a little okay. bit, and because I because I, honestly I've I, I'm gonna tell you a number in terms of the hours that I put in, and to some that might seem significant, but I can tell you right now it's not significant. It barely scratches surf, the surface. I've put in five hours into Baldur's Gate three. For those of you who don't know, Baldur's Gate is a CRPG, uh, which is a computer RPG, the most classic kind of RPG, a top down looking RPG, uh, and it is a game that is you know obviously class-based you pick a class and then you go out in this world and pretty this game specifically is pretty much open to you in terms of your choices and what you do and how you tackle all these missions uh and i can tell you it is knowing that coming into the game can be a little overwhelming you still kind of want to find the quote-unquote right way to play but in all honesty there is no right way to play like that's just there is no specific fail safe so going through the game itself it kind of feels like am i doing this right is this the way I'm supposed to be doing this and I can tell you right now uh, and, and a lot of the hours that I put in were in the creator uh, uh, in the creator suite created my character classes and all that but I can tell you right now this game can very much be a problem uh, in terms of if it catches on with me uh, because of the sheer amount of things that you can do the choices that you have basically you have a quest laid out to you and you could go about it any way you want. And I mean that. I mean, you can go and do and kill the thing you're supposed to save and the story keeps going or save the thing you're supposed to kill. And it, it takes sides, completely different sides. Like it, you're going at it and you're like, these are clearly the, the good guys and these are clearly the bad guys. And you can go to the bad guy camp and just be the bad guy. It's kind of overwhelming in that way because it's like so many choices, so many things you can do. It's almost like a buffet of choices and you're like i wonder how i'm gonna tackle this and then once you let the notion going of how to play the game correctly it really opens up to you in terms of like role playing i know that we talk about role playing in a way where oh you make your choices like you but in this way you build your character and however you want to play it is the way you 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 kind of tackle it i'm playing as a bard uh basically once again a jerk uh and i'm going about it but i'm really going about it in a way that is i am being the the quintessential bard jerk uh i picked a class that i had no idea was not liked i'm basically everybody's racist towards me uh it's, but it's it, racism it, it, yeah, oh my god bro it's, there's classism racism okay this classism game, makes more sense damn no it's no this this particular this particular set is racism i am a halfling i am i am beneath people because i am neither elf nor human I'm somewhere in between, and there are people who vehemently hate me just because I am a drow. Uh, and so it, it's it, it's there's so many things going on in this game in the back end. It, it, it's really one of those things when you hear people talk about this game, you don't quite understand it until you kind of get your hands on it. Uh, but it's definitely a game that I had to kind of put down because I felt kind of myself sinking into it a little. And obviously, the player that I picked and the choices that I made weren't really 
the choices that I wanted to make specifically in, at that uh, time. It's just that I was trying to get my bearings and kind of understand what the hype was about. And I, I get the hype on a, on, on a very surface level. Uh, it's definitely the game that I'll be playing after I've exhausted my time with Starfield. But it's uh, to obviously people who know, it's not a game you can play simultaneously with Starfield. It's just, it's just too much. Uh, and so this is definitely a game that's going to be taking over my life, which is why I was telling Mark, I told Marco I can't play Cyberpunk, uh, cyber, whatever, cyber trash, cyber, funk, cyber, cyber punk. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, bomb rush, cyber funk. Oh. Uh, I can't touch that. <laughs> what the I fuck don't even were you know. saying right there? I don't even know, man, because I probably was conflating two things. I don't know if, I can, if I'm going to be able to play cyberpunk, uh, Phantom Liberty the day it comes out. There's just way too many things that I'm, I'm, I'm interested in playing. And honestly, I've been, I've been kind of like in a weird time in, in my, in my week where I've had the opportunity to have time to play games and that's no longer going to be the case going forward so i'm definitely gonna have to pick and choose here uh and it's definitely going to be starfield and Baldur's gate for me as i uh finish up starfield or whatever happens there with that i don't know if there'll ever be a future where you'll be playing less video games pablo every time you say it i mean you every- play way more games with me this week that it's not even close you finished the game you you're playing a whole other game and you're playing starfield i've just been playing starfield and i played a little bit of this game like when it came out and that's it so you're playing way more games than me i was shocked when i saw your load up, i'm like marco are you all right First of all, that's defensive. That's all that was just defensive. That whole soliloquy was just sheer defensiveness and insecurity. Um, second of all, the expanse was all of about forty-five minutes. Third of that's all, a long time. yeah, you had some shipbuilding right there. Third of all, I don't have a third of all right now. All right, I'll think of one later. We'll pin it. Yeah, we'll pin that because uh, I want to talk about Starfield anyway. So whatever, I do too. Let's do um, that. So. We obviously had a very big episode last week, Pablo, where we mm-hmm. huge deep dive into our uh, early impressions of Starfield. And early being roughly, I think at the time I was I was about 10 hours deep. I don't know how many hours you've sunk into it. It sounds like a lot, Pablo. I'm at, I think, 38 or 40 hours or something like that right now. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty deep in this thing. I'm 36 um, hours in. Okay, so we're kind of neck and neck here, basically. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I've I've completed a lot of faction quests. I've done I think over eighty combined side missions and activities right now. So I've 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 gotten a lot more time in here. I'm I'm guessing you have too, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Though I I will say that I've the last couple of hours I've been just kind of landing on planets and just fucking around, roaming, roaming around. Yeah, I've yeah, done yeah, that yeah, too. Yeah. I've done that too a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we have a much bigger sample size of what this game is all about now compared to where we were at. A week ago so let's kind of catch up on on how we're feeling about the game pablo um i don't know about you but i think for me my kind of updated declaration here (laughs) is that even though i I think more blemishes have started to show here and there for me starfield right now is still on course to being uh, a true game of the year contender for me uh, sure. as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, are, are you kind of on the same boat right now? Because it, it, the way you're talking about this game, and I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to answer, but you have a tell when you're really into a game. Is that about texting? No. You screenshot and do photo mode for mm. games that you are really into. And Pablo has been photo mode McGee, or Murphy, as he likes to call himself. <laughs> and you, gotta, you guys got to understand, when Pablo does photo mode, he figures out a way. To make every picture the douchiest looking picture of all time. 
It doesn't matter. It's cyberpunk. He did it. I remember one of the characters was uh, looking like Bad Bunny. Yeah, looked like Bad Bunny. One of the characters was uh, working on her car, so she she was bent over uh, looking. At <laughs> Pablo picked the the pose where he was bent over looking, snapped the picture, put it on all the social medias. He got no shame. So and it, but no but you know Pablo's really dug into something deep when when the screenshots start coming out. So now I want to kick it over to you, Pablo. It, am I right? Is is this game starting to get like like really really important to you at this point? Yeah, man. Um, I I think it's it's going to be one of these. It's going to be a close race between Starfield and Tears of the Kingdom. And let's just say the year ended today. I think that Starfield would, would eke out uh, Tears of the Kingdom for me right now at this point in time. It, it's just, I hate to say this because I kind of recoil anytime somebody says, the game gets good 10 hours in. But the game started off good. 10 hours in, it gets better. 20 hours in, it gets even better. I'm at 38 hours in, and it is 36 hours in, and it's just... It, I'm still kind of in awe of the game. Yes, it's not perfect. It does have some jank to it. There are some blemishes that are coming up, like you said, that honestly don't really bother me because of the sheer ambition that uh, Bethesda had for Starfield. And, man, they really nail it. Like, I'm talking about... I told Marco this. I said, I think this game has the best side content of any game ever all-time period yeah I am, that that shook the shit out of me when you said that because that puts that in in a higher tier than the witcher 3 that puts it in a it higher tier it, than mass effects yeah. like everything so i'm really curious to hear that you know the yeah, rationale behind I, that now i will say though uh in in bethesda fashion the the uh faction missions are technically side quest uh but even beyond that activities that that devolve into something completely different in, in terms of for example we talked about the mantis side quest which i won't spoil for right now man i am infiltrating the crimson um crimson fleet uh, i think crimson fleet yeah i am literally infiltrating them i am a honor i am a crimson fleet pirate at the moment uh i um and the game gives you, as I play more, the game gives you the ability to be like a double agent type of thing. And that's all up to you in terms of how you get there. This mission specifically. Well, don't open spoil up it because I don't want. No, no. I want to do that. This one mission next. could only open up in two ways. Yeah. And we'll see if you ever get there. Yeah. So um, it, it's 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 just it's next level, man. I'm ten hours deep into this side quest. And that's another side quest that I have going on that it just keeps going and going and growing. And it becomes a small little thing that then grows into this other thing that then has these kind of, um, consequences that are dire, that are even more dire than the constellation uh, quests, which are, uh, the main quests in the game. And what I like about that is that though the main quest of the game kind of leans into the exploration part of the world like you're an explorer right and and the other stuff leans into more situations that are more political or even have the 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 fate of humankind in your hands in certain extents where it's like there there are much more things going on in this world than just you finding artifacts and while the artifact stuff is outstanding i i've 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 i got to a moment in that in that in, in the game where it was an absolute beautiful moment that took me by surprise and i was completely in awe and shook by it but then going back into those other side missions and just kind of like okay 
I'm this political diplomat uh, going into this situation. I'm this undercover person going into this. And while that seems a little bit like the Forrest Gump of it, like I am in the center of all these incredible moments, it doesn't matter. It's a fucking video game. And the fact that I am in those and it is just baffling every time i think i i figured out this thing something else happens and it sidetracks me this thing takes me here which takes me there takes me to a planet which then opens up this whole other thing that takes me to another quest that is seven hours deep it's 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 ridiculous it's it's just a ridiculous amount of content in this game and i'm sure that there is a i'm sure that there's things about it that'll repeat you know, maybe certain things that I can see coming from a mile away in terms of the structure. And that's okay, too, because I don't have to do that if I feel not interested in it. I just, I, this game is just kind of, it's jaw-dropping, inspired I have probably undiagnosed ADHD. And, oh, and this game is, I'll diagnose you. Well, I, I got and, you on that one. <laughs> and this game is my, this game is my Ritalin, I guess, because I can sit down in this damn chair and just sit here and just play for hours and not think about usually when i'm playing something i'm like oh i wonder if i uh, i gotta i gotta make some progress on this game i gotta make some progress on this game i want to oh i gotta go finish i have not thought about any other video game uh it's just it's crazy Baldur's gate (laughs) three well i mean i I bought it because i was gonna i bought it because i bought on the fact that i was i was playing the constellation main quest and i was getting pretty deep into it and i was playing some of the side content i was having an amazing time with it this game was going to be a top 10 game for sure and then 25 hours in things started happening that just became this in incredible massive different thing and so at that point i already had baldur's gate purchased and i was like all right i'll just try baldur's gate just to see where this is at uh but right now man i am baffled and absolutely confused by those who have uh played this game they say they played this game in terms of like played actually play it uh and and come away with it not only with like a negative mindset but disdain for the game you can tell that they mainline the, the main quest and and not really let the game develop and if you play a bethesda game i think that you need to you owe it to yourself always to explore deep dive deep into situations and if something is leading you one way follow it because it's going to bring you something to something incredible and i think starfield is the best iteration of any bethesda game it is the it's not going to revolutionize the way people make games because this is a very bethesda type of game but it definitely has revolutionized and changed the way bethesda thinks about games and makes games and i can't wait for other titles like this has made me excited for elder scrolls 6 which i'm not excited for elder i'm not an elder scrolls guy and i'm excited because they figured something out here in the formula and it's kind of insane that's kind of where where i'm at with, with starfield so you know, a little sign sign yeah i mean well you know let me let me kind of put your feet to the fire a little bit here cuz it it sounds like you're talking about a game that's potentially more than just a top 10 of the year for you. Right. This, this, is start, yeah. this is starting, and I might be jumping ahead a little too quick here by doing this, but this is starting to sound like an all-timer for you. Yeah, it's is closer. That true? I mean, it is close to that. I, I will say, though, when you look at my top 10 list games of all time, I don't have a, a Bethesda RPG. Mm. And that's because, you know, I, I feel that other RPGs like Witcher, Mass Effect, have, have always done it slightly better. Uh, in this 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 case, I feel like Bethesda is now, uh, in my opinion, with, with Starfield, the top dog in the RPG in the Western RPG front for Ooh. me. Like, uh, right. and, uh, even surpasses kind of my feelings for Cyberpunk for sure. 
uh, and and to to a certain extent, not quite, but to a certain extent, surpasses the way I feel about uh, even uh, The Witcher Three. Though Witcher Three is 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 incredible, but you know, in its own way, I almost feel like if Elder Scrolls is as good as Starfield, it could jeopardize how I feel about Witcher Three in that in that way. So, mm. okay. But anyway, um, yeah. So I I yeah, it's it's beginning to feel. A lot like an all-timer for me, uh, for sure. Kind of the same feelings I had with Elden Ring is kind of where I'm at with it. Okay. Well, you know, um, last thing I'll say before I, I kind of give my thoughts is if you're going to do screenshots of the game with your character in it, try to steal your brother's face. Don't steal your brother's face and put your hairstyle on top and then call it you. <laughs> All right. Your friend Jan was right. Your friend friend of the show, Jan, called him out on Front Street on X and said, wait, 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 I wait, couldn't- wait. You can't just do that with you can't identity theft your brother like that. You can't. Every time I try to make myself in any game, I just end up looking like my brother. And it's not on purpose. It's just I can't find the right way to, to get my fat face on there. You know? Yeah. Well, the sliders can't slide that much. Um, all right. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, um, I want to talk about the story first. I'll, get, I'll, I'll keep it very spoiler conscious here. I just want to say that I'm still very much in love with Starfield's lore. And I really, really like how... Um, how deep each faction in the game is intertwined with uh, each world state. You know, they don't mm-hmm. feel like they're just kind of off in the corner. They feel like they're very integrated into the locations that you go to. Uh, and I'm also finding the main quest to be really, really intriguing as far as where it's going to take me next. Um, I do think there have been bouts of time where the narrative can be a little bit stoic, a little bit flat. Just, you know, sometimes it's not it's not constant. It's not persistent throughout every every game or every character at every quest. But I think that at times it can feel like there needs to be a little bit more personality coming out of this all the sci fi um, to, to give it a little bit more heart, a little bit more soul. I know I, I don't like getting that poetic per se, but I, I guess that's the best way I can describe it. Um, and I do think that as far as gameplay goes, uh, yeah, it's, it's unapologetically a Bethesda ass RPG. And I, I find a lot of comfort with all the similarities that it has with fallout in the elder scrolls. And I really, really love the more I play, the more I've appreciated the quality of life improvements to like lock picking and persuasion and even little things like the ledge grabbing and verticality and whatnot. Um, I, I do think sometimes the gameplay still does feel a little bit stiff, uh, and dated at certain points, but it's definitely miles ahead of where it's been in, in previous games with fallout in particular. Like, I, I don't know if I could have ever finished a fallout without the VAT system. It's just it, the shooting. Facts, the shooting yeah. was never good enough for me to not have to rely on Vats to to play that Ugh. game. This is not the case at all. I feel very much like I am capable, based on the mechanics that are given to me, to actually do work. Um, on the technical side, I've I've had a few bugs spring up. I had one hard crash. I will say that. Um, uh-huh. It you know it, to me. Usually for a Bethesda RPG, I'm probably about 10 hard crashes deep at this point, maybe more. So the fact that I'm, I, and that just happened probably about, you know, at, at the 36 hour mark for me. So took a long time for me to get to a point where that happened. But uh, even despite that, I, I really, really enjoy my experience with this game. And uh, I still love tackling all the quests and exploring space to see what I can find. Uh, so none of those downsides have, have really hurt my experience because they've been so small in the grand scheme of all the things that I think Starfield does right. Um, so I, I think for me, you know, 
it's definitely it's definitely going to be a top five for me this year. I think, and it, it's a good there's a good chance it's going to climb up towards the the tippy top of my list if the main quest gets as good as I hear it does. But even at bare minimum, I think this is easily my favorite Bethesda RPG of all time. Uh, I don't know if you agree yeah. with that too, but no, but of course, yeah, I, yeah, it's it's not even for me. It's not even close. I and, and I'm a and I'm a and I'm a I'm a Fallout Four guy. Like I like Fallout Four Same. quite a bit. Same. Uh, and so, like, I, you know, people tend not to like that game, but I, I think this is the best, of the best. I mean, uh, I'm, I can't, I can't sit here and be like, yeah, it's way better than, uh, than, um, uh, than, uh, than not, not Oblivion, um, Skyrim, the Skyrim, because I really barely scratched the surface of Skyrim. But regardless of that, with those caveats aside, it's not. I, it's gonna be hard to go back because they've talked about Fallout Four remaster coming out soon. It's gonna be hard to. to I was kind of looking forward to that, but now I'm kind of like, I don't think I'm gonna do that. I, just it, to go back to that would be not f- great. But what this does, what Starfield also gets me excited for, like I already mentioned, is is the future of Fallout as well. Like hopefully they carry the shooting and all that stuff over to those games because holy crap, it feels good to shoot in this game for sure. And um, I will say I've come around a little bit to the third person mode, especially in like tight quarters. Um, uh, it, it feels nice. It feels pretty good. It's 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 a viable way yeah. to play. I know pe- there's yeah. people who play exclusively in third person, which you would never have heard someone say that about a Fallout 3 or 4 because it is it is an afterthought. Really, and this mm-hmm. not here. Start they've they've put a lot of thought in, into 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 it. It does look a little janky sometimes. Sometimes, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I remember seeing. But. I saw a Reddit thread like maybe a day or two ago where it was like a poll of how many of you are playing in first person versus third person, and I think the ratio was it was like seventy one percent were playing first person and like twenty nine were, were playing in third person, which is actually pretty solid. Um, I would like to see that poll with like the third option being. A mixture of both, because that's where I, that's how I play it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you just kind of have to adjust your camera sensitivity a little differently when you're playing in different um, perspectives. Because when you set it for one, like for for first person, it can be nice, and then you switch to third person, then it's like way too out of control. I've, so I I feel like you have to have like special settings for each to really make it feel the best. But it's definitely viable. I've I've used it a couple times, and I'm like, actually, that didn't that didn't feel bad. That didn't feel bad at all. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they did a pretty good job with that kind of thing too. Um, and that's again, another little quality of life improvement that I think goes a long way that I don't think they're getting enough credit for, um, on top of many other things they're not getting enough credit for. Um, but would you say like the, the main quest is probably the weakest part of the game right now for you? No, no, I don't. I don't think, I don't think so at all. I think that, um, I think that my inch, I've gone where I've been interested in going and, and, you know, sometimes side quests are right there in front of you. Like, Hey, can you help me? I'm right here. So it's like, well, sure. You're right there. I'll help you. You know, I, I don't think it's because I'm not interested in the main quest. I think, I think if anything, I am so confident in the main quest that I want to get all the side stuff out of the way now and all the faction quests now so yeah. that I can just mainline it. Cause I know that once I get into it, I'm not going to feel like doing side quests again. You know yeah. What I mean? So I, yeah, I guess I I just for me I think that it's weird because there are certain moments in the main mission that feel a little bit kind of ho hum. Like I got this ability and then I show it off and everybody's like, "Whoa, that's cool." Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move <laughs> on to the next part of this mission. It's like, yeah, you guys should be making a huge deal about this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, I think you know what, what part of that is, and I, I'll guess I'll throw this out there as a as a downside. I think that um, 
dialogue exchanges between your characters in the game are a little outdated in, in terms of how they feel and how they're handled. I think number one is when people are talking to... If two characters are talking to each other and not you, for some reason, they'll still be looking at you on the screen. And I don't know if that's a bug because sometimes I'll see them that's turn their head. So it's a bug. But yeah. even then, I think that that like zoom in perspective of dialogue, it 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 kind of takes something away from those types those types of moments. And have you noticed that sometimes there's some uh, conversational moments that don't zoom in? Yes. Yes. I was like, this is, I'd rather this, which was kind of the, the Fallout 4 method where it showed your character. Uh, so it's weird that it, there's no rhyme or reason mm-hmm. for that. It just happens sometimes. I wonder if there was like a a, a, ch- a change while in, in development where they were going to do it like Fallout 4 and it went back to, to, to the Fallout uh, 3 yeah. st- style in terms of conversations. Um, I think the game needs like, uh, the game could have used like actual cinematics for some of the bigger moments and not oh, like putting you in first yeah. person. Like that moment you just mentioned when you get a, a special ability. I think that should have been like a cutscene with everybody. Yeah. To, to, to like emote better and have better reactions instead of everyone just kind of standing there going, whoa, oh my God, cool, wow. There's, you know, <laughs> it's a yeah, little, it's a little a, stiff. There's, I, I, I'm gonna say a slight spoiler and not of anything. Just be the name careful. Of something. Be careful. No, just the name of something. There's something called, and I don't know if you've gotten there. It's called the Red Mile. No, but I've I've heard people okay. talking about it. So don't. don't okay. Ruin so anyway, there's something that happens there, and the way they present it is is in game, and it's so kind of like they make this big deal, and when it happens, it's kind of like, okay, this is cool. Up, awesome. It's awesome. But man, if it was a cinematic showing off the hype of it the mm. way that they hyped the it spectacle that would it. really yeah yeah the spec it would really work and i and i, I, ju- I just did that and so I, that thought went through my head is like mm. man if they had cinematics this moment would hit so much harder and it's still great yeah but it just would hit so much harder yeah yeah but i mean again those those moments of like datedness are really really splitting hairs there's a lot of moments that 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 play out really nicely. Um, yeah, so, they're just thoughts that you have while you're playing it. Yeah, it's yeah. never like, oh man, this is trash. Yeah, it's always like, oh man, I wish I did this a little better, but still awesome. Yeah, kind of what know? we do with every video game ever. But for some reason, Starfield's <laughs> the punching bag. But uh, oh man, we still have more to talk about with Starfield. Not too much more though. But uh, that is going to be a new story. So speaking of which, Pablo, we should probably go ahead and transition to the new segment of the show uh, that we call Hit Points. Let's do it. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, so this week we have four Hit Points uh, to go over. Pablo, uh, you got the first two, so why don't you go ahead and kick us off with our first story. Well, Marco, it's official. Starfield is now the biggest Bethesda launch of all time, and it's also the biggest launch day for an Xbox Game Studios title Ever. Mm. Uh, according to Starfield's official account on X, over 6 million people played Starfield on its first day of release. So, how do we feel about the success of Starfield? And uh, does this news mean, what does this news mean for Xbox Redemption Story? It's a redemption arc that has going on. Uh, what it means is watch your fucking mouth when you talk about <laughs> Xbox again. Um, look, uh, this is 6 million players. I don't care what game you're talking about. That's yeah. that's really good for day one, you know. Um, and the fact that it's it's a record-setting number for Bethesda and Xbox as a whole, um, you know, you, you can't ask for much better. And that this is the kind of story, right? Excuse me. This is the kind of story that I think really 
should bring a lot of people back down to earth who have been lost in this review score chaos that's been going on around Starfield. You know, people are still, I mean, literally right before we recorded, somebody gave the game a fucking four out of 10. And, you know, so all that stuff is still going on. And then you see stuff like this where it's like, yeah, you guys are over there doing that shit, competing over who can be the most disappointed with Starfield while everybody else, six million people to be exact, are having the time of their lives right now. So it it really puts things in perspective that reviews are not everything. They don't represent how everybody really feels, what everybody's really excited about, what everybody really wants to play. Um, and I think that as far as how this fits into Xbox's comeback story, I think this is huge for their comeback. I think this shows that, you know, uh, if you make a great game, people will come and they will play it and it will definitely bode well for the image of your brand um, and your trajectory. And so um, I hope that this is really a huge morale boost for the team at Xbox and a shot in the arm for the community who's been waiting for so long for something to kind of cheer about for Xbox. Um, and, you know, I think this is really kind of the, the moment where we leave a lot of the mess that happened with Xbox, even as recently as earlier this year, we leave it in the past. It's this is the start of something new. It's the start of something better. And we've all had our time to be frustrated at Xbox, critical of Xbox, mad at Xbox. Now it's time to start going, you know what? All right. They're, they're trying to turn the corner and it's working. People are showing yep. up. They have a great game on their hands. Damn what everybody else wants to say about, oh, you know, it's a four out of 10. This is a good game and it, it it's a good look as well. Yep. So I think this is all good things. All of it. Yeah. People tend to forget that even though some of us uh, are on social media often and we see the discourse, social media is such a small percentage of the actual population and the actual people who are playing this game. So it, 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 the, the whole conversation that is happening on your phone isn't real. No, it's not a real indication of of what xbox considers a success and what players and people who play these kind of games consider successful there's people who love this game somewhere in the middle some might not like it but they're just moving on they're not logging into their social media accounts and then completely creating this narrative that starfield needed to revolutionize the industry or it was a bust for whatever reason anybody who thinks a game should be judged by how much they move the needle through the industry they're they're just being unfair that's correct to, to that game and so it's insane to me that people would 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 look at these numbers and then say nobody likes it just wait until the real reviews start coming out which is which is what we're we're hearing now because that's that's where the goalpost has moved to i mean i i i i admit i am one of these people that engages with some of these idiots online and it's not good for my mental health but I, there was this one guy who literally showed off a quote-unquote bug in the game. But what he was doing is he was going into this section, going left into his empty room, and then saying the map never loaded, and then it loads on the fourth try, and then going right, which is an identical room to the next one, but that's where the enemies are. That's where it would uh -oh. start. And so he was doing that to show off the bug, and it was so obvious because I had just done it's that, that quest. Yeah, and I went on YouTube, <laughs> snipped a, a, a video of somebody doing the actual thing, and just showed it, showed it to him. 
and he moved the goalposts. Oh, I guess you don't understand what bugs are. I'm like, okay, they're disengaged at that point. But what I'm saying is here, exactly, people are engaged in the smear campaign here to try and tell you that the game you like and the game you were looking forward to isn't any good because they said so based on whatever, you know, based on social media takes. But man, 6 million players on day one on a wednesday was it it's not even a Dude, it's not even yeah. a, a, a week the weekend I'm, I'm assuming this number's gonna go up on the weekend everybody's got time <laughs> to play this game it, it, it's just it, it's just baffling and and, and it's idiotic and well xbox, it's insecurity it's is really, really what it is. is it's crazy the way that xbox is third place and you know oh they're, they're the laughing stock but i think a lot of the 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 vitriol and the smear campaigning is really out of this this weird place of fear and concern that Xbox is going to mount up and and start really rallying back. I think a lot of people have gotten used to Xbox being the last place company in the console race every single time. Um, and so much so that I think a lot of new newer gamers have come into the gaming space and they've never known Xbox to be great. They weren't yeah. around for the 360 era. They weren't around for the OG Xbox. So all they know is, oh, Xbox is the company that takes L's. And I think it's making people uncomfortable to see this resurgence for Xbox with a game that deep down they all really want. But they're all yeah. looking to make a name for themselves by tearing down. Yeah, you, you think based on the conversations going on that nobody's ever liked Bethesda games. Yeah. And like, there's just another one of their terrible games that they've put out, which is not yeah. true. Not true. I mean, PlayStation themselves were, were 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 trying to get this game to be an exclusive for them. I mean, there's people out there modding the the uh, PlayStation PS5 logo onto the beginning of Oh, the, I saw uh, that. Uh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Boy, desperate times, y'all. Damn. Desperate times, desperate measures, man. But I, <laughs> I tell mods. you, man. Uh, desperate bonds but yeah to, to kind of wrap up my thoughts here about xbox and the, and, and the redemption redemption arc yeah, yeah I, I said last week that i felt that this was a start of that and i very much believe that it is that and i think it's a little more i think I, I need to give them a little bit more credit here because this game needed to be good and it's great and i think that that's a great where place to start but listen you have Bethesda Game Studios in your back pocket now. They are your your, your premier studio here, and th this is just the beginning for them here. So I I I'm super excited for them. Six billion is a huge number. Huge. I can't wait to I can't wait for more. People are gonna play this. Uh, I just got a message while recording this. Um, somebody say I'm finally starting Starfield. This person doesn't really play games, like uh, and, and they and they're. They're in there and they're ready to go because Bethesda Game Studios is that kind of studio that gets people who don't really play games to come in and check that oh, and yeah. check out their games. My dad's probably gonna um, check this out. He played the shit out of Skyrim back in the day. I think he yeah. would, I think he would be all over this. He's a Star Trek fan. Yeah. He, oh my god, he eat this up. Yeah, exactly. And he's so an old man. One of those yeah, it's just one of those things. You got people, I only play Call of Duty, I only play you know, Madden. There's definitely people out there who are only here to play Bethesda Game Studio games, right. and this is their next big thing. And, and you wouldn't know that when you hear people talk on on social media, but they, but that's the whole point. Like, there's a whole sector of the community that's, that doesn't give a fuck what you guys say on the internet, man. They just want yeah, to play and, a fun and, game. And it's it, and it's actually the majority. It really you know? is, and that's the funny that that's the that's the hilarious irony of these people that that feel like they are that they're like they've got a a, a platform 
through Twitter or wherever, like, oh, when I speak, people like you are, it's you are ridiculous. tiny in the big grand scheme of things. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm here to I, now. I, I'm I'm being told that I have to believe that an 88 on Open Critic is actually bad, even though Spider Man has an 88, Horizon Forbidden West has an 88. Uh, you know, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which I fucking love, has an 84. Like, it, all of a sudden. Uh, the high 80s, mid 80s is, is a bad look. And people go, you have to realize this game was supposed to revolution. No, it wasn't. Who said that? Yeah, that's you all. You said that. Because yes. that was, that's where you needed this game to be. And if it got a 95, a 96, oh, they're paying Xbox's incredible amount of money. They paid out these people to get these uh, <laughs> these scores. There was no winning. Don't don't pretend like if this game got a, in the high 90s yeah. or the mid 90s that you would have you would have relented. You would have not. You would have made a whole different thing. The goalpost is constantly moving and an 88, 85, 82, whatever this game turns out being at the end of the day, the score doesn't mean a goddamn thing. You know, mm-hmm. games like Control, games like Spider-Man, games like uh, Ghost of Tsushima have been nominated for Game of the Award, Game of the Year awards. At, at, at that, the score means nothing, is what I'm saying at the end of the day. I think, and so, I think a lot of it's recency, too, with seeing like Tears of the Kingdom hit a 96 and here, seeing Baldur's Gate 3 hit a 96. Now people think, well, that's, that's, a, that's easy for any great game to attain and it's not like the percentile for those types of scores is incredibly rare so and, and you have to think about those games and what what they're doing like the crpg is a an incredibly popular style of rpg but it has been in the doldrums in terms of how it's been made yes and Baldur's gate 3 is revolutionizing crpgs and at that at that point it is it is getting that credit now like i said starfield might not be revolutionizing rpgs as a whole but it is revolutionizing the 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 the, but the game studios rpg which is which is enough for me it's what i wanted going into it i wasn't expecting this for me to change the way i think about video game development i wanted just to play the next best iteration of a of a bethesda game studios game and that's exactly what we got here you know yeah yeah. The, the the revolutionizing of an industry is always an added bonus if it becomes that. It isn't the it isn't the the, the thing that we judge a game on based on ter- of terms of it's good or not. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. All of it is. But yeah. But the six million number is ridiculous too, man, and in a good way. Hey, in a good way. I know Phil's happy. Uh but let's go ahead and move on to the next story, Pablo. What do you got for us? Well, according to the infamous leaker, The Snitch, an expansion for God of War Ragnarok is deep in development. Uh, the expansion is allegedly about 60% complete and will come out sometime uh, next year in 2024. Fans are speculating that it's a DLC, that th- this DLC will show uh, Treyas' journey after the events of the main game. So how do we feel about this? Is this expansion something we're kind of excited about, looking out for? What do you think, Marco? <laughs> Hell no, hell, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> I don't want no parts, man. And I, listen, people might recall that I predicted this was going to happen too. I'm like, yeah. as soon as I saw the ending of the game, I'm like, there's going to be a Miles Morales-like DLC expansion. Boy, was Marco right again. Um, <laughs> Pablo, I want no parts. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not doing this for some podcast persona. I just genuinely don't like God of War Ragnarok at all. I, I have no I have no interest in paying my American currency to play a game featuring Atreus. OK, I want zero to do with that. I don't care. Oh, they're going to tell us we're going to they're going to reveal the thing about the thing. I don't give a fuck. Keep <laughs> keep this game away from me. I'm done with it. At the at the 
at the best, I'll buy it years down the road at a deep discount just for shits and giggles. I will probably, yeah. I'll be, I'll be very honest. With you, probably, I'll probably YouTube this thing. I'll YouTube it yeah. just so I know what happened, what's going on. But I just listen. I know I'm in, the, I'm in the extreme minority. But God yeah. of War Ragnarok is not for me whatsoever. I'm not You're- afraid to say it, and I want no parts of this at all. Your hate for God of War Ragnarok rivals my hate for Final Fantasy 16. Oh, uh, I hate but, Final Fantasy 16 I know, more I know, than you. I know I, know I do. I think you're probably right because it was such a game that you wanted. Oh. Uh, but I, I let me let me let me talk about God of War Ragnarok just real quickly. The more I, the more time I spend away from it, the more I realize that it's not great it's still good i still enjoyed my time with it but it's definitely not great god of war 2018 is like nine times better than this game and i don't think it's close um but yeah i'm looking forward to this man i i I like the miles morales uh expansion i thought that was really dope the way they did that um my only thing is is i hope that they figure out atreus's kind of gameplay loop i i thought i know people were saying that it was good i i think they're actively lying um i don't think that was very fun to play the trace for that long so if you're gonna do a whole dlc you you got you got it you got to improve that but i am I am interested in the journey. I am interested in, in to see where this uh, this franchise goes. Uh, I I I enjoy Ragnarok uh, very much. It's just unfortunately um, there are a lot of things in that game that just don't work. Uh, but Man, uh, yeah, listen, the, I'm looking forward to the it. The only the only way I, I'd buy this is if I find out that Atreus dies. Damn. I want to see him get clapped. You understand me? I want That's- him. I, we'll we'll have to kind of deep dive into one day into your hatred for this I'm game because I'm doing I mean, that I know, with I my know, with my free time. No, I'm I not. know you don't like it, but man, I, I I'll be honest with you. I didn't realize how much you hated this game oh, until it's just so about bad. now. Oh, don't it, the environmental puzzles? Oh, I can go. Pfft, I got I got ammunition yeah. for days. Dare I say weeks? But uh, <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not feeling this. Um, and and, okay, and, and listen, I want to I want to break the fourth wall. Some of you listeners are probably fucking angry right now because you are a, you are a big god of war fan i i i promise you we are not edge lords the contrarians i just genuinely don't really like the game at all and i'm not trying to be controversial for the sake of being controversial it's just that's how i really feel i'm not trying to get a reaction this is not a hate click kind of a thing it, it's nothing like that it's just really how i feel i'm just not a big fan but uh, thumbnail's gonna be marco like uh, throwing up over uh, uh, the 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 picture of God of War. Listen, Ragnarok. I ate I ate Sonny's barbecue for dinner today. It's coming up right oh. now. It's coming up right now. Man, why would you do that to because yourself? Because it's good. Oh, it's delicious. But I'm saying, why would you do yourself anyway? <laughs> I mean, I ain't saying it's bad. I'm just saying, man, um, that pulled pork is coming back. It's, it's about to pull out. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about I'm God of War that, one more damn time. It's making me sick. I'm glad that crack yourself up on that bitch. All right. Now, let me go ahead and take over here. I'm sick of what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Nintendo for a little bit, Pablo. Uh, Nintendo, Nintendo is is has been kind of making some moves lately behind the scenes, and we've got two news stories here to talk about what they've got potentially going on. Uh, starting with um, another highly reputable leaker named Pioro claiming ah. that. What, what? What? Why are you already fucking up my damn news story with your with your ad libs? <laughs> What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Do you got something you want to say to the class before I keep yeah, Pioro going? Pioro is, is a news aggregator. He's not an insider, but go ahead. A highly reputable, 100% <laughs> trustworthy leaker named Pioro uh, is claiming 
that the next Nintendo Direct will reveal the next Donkey Kong game, along with more from the new Princess Peach title, and much to Pablo's chagrin, <laughs> the God of War of Pablo's mind, an F-Zero project, Pablo. That project better be uh, like them showing, deleting the code. Uh, and, 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 and the project, the Ezra project is we've created time travel to wipe out F-Zero from existence. I like, I, I like the Wipeout pun because Wipeout was a better uh, racing franchise 100%. than F-Zero. That ain't, not even, Wipeout was amazing. All right. Well, I'll, I'll joke. Well, maybe some jokes aside. How do you feel about these uh, these rumors? Yeah, the Donkey Kong rumor has been a, a, uh, around for a while. I mean, uh, Tropical Freeze has been, you know, it, it's such an amazing game, but it's been so long since we got that. I'm not sure if this one is a the 2D one that's been rumored or the 3D one. Regardless, uh, I am definitely looking forward to more Donkey Kong. Uh, I hope it's a 3D version uh, of the games because, I, th- like I said, I think Tropical Freeze is one of the best platformers uh, that Nintendo's ever made. So I'm looking for that. The Princess Peach game. Anything Mario, I'm always interested to, interested to see what exactly it is. So to see more about that, I am hype about that. And the F-Zero stuff, man, I, I, I've I never met an actual person who's like, I love F-Zero. It's always like, oh, yeah, F-Zero. I, I don't, I, the thing that I, I gets me great pause about the, the all these rumors is that they've been very vocal about F-Zero and them not wanting to make it because it's just not ever been a franchise that's done well um so i kind of am am skeptical a little bit about that specifically just based on what they said in the past but the donkey kong game i'm 100 i think that's a real thing and they've already also obviously announced the princess peach thing so i i I can't wait to, to to see that uh i hope i hope that's a thing i hope that we see that for sure well i think that we'll definitely see princess peach i think that's a given yeah um I, I would speculate the F-Zero project's probably going to be like a remake of the GameCube game or something, or like a, what do you call that, the virtual console thing? Um, okay. I, I'd, oh, be, yeah, I'd be shocked right. if it's like a le- like a legit brand new F-Zero game. Um, as far as Donkey Kong goes, I, I'm of two minds. I, I, I know that it's about that time to see what this long-rumored game is. I guess I just don't trust that it's going to happen now. I I still feel in my heart of hearts, this is going to be more of a switch to launch title type of project than anything that we're going to get like by the end of this year or something like that, or, you know, early next year. Oh, I don't think I agree with that. I agree with that. So, you know, in it. So I I guess, I guess that's kind of my thing is I think Donkey Kong and the next switch announcement, I think are going to be intertwined if I had to predict. Um, But I could be wrong. Um, now, all I really have to say about this Nintendo Direct, which is uh, apparently going to be happening sooner than later, is um, Pablo, hmm. don't do it. All right? Don't sit there and type up with your fat fingers, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess is coming to the, the, the fall because Jeff Grubb said, I don't want to hear. It's coming out in December. I don't want to hear it and if and if it happens if it happens i'm blocking you i'm going uh offline on xbox so you can't see me online again i'm not going to deal with the blowback of that you you uh you heard it here first on the cooldown time episode 125 pablo has predicted that wind waker and the twilight princess is coming out in december here's what the people don't Uh, it's gonna be glorious don't listen to him people listen people he's been predicting this 
since 2014. The I Switch ne- wasn't I even never, out yet, and he was predicting it for the Switch. I've never even heard of those games. I'm just I, something came. It's like a prophecy. Something's coming over me, and I'm just saying these words. Uh, amen, hallelujah. No, no, but um, no. I, I think I, I. As for what you're saying about Donkey Kong, I, I think it depends what the Switch Two will be in terms of like, will it be cross? Would it be like um, backwards compatible? Mm-hmm. You know, if it is, then I could see that happening where it simultaneously releases. Uh, I just, but if you're right though, if it's not coming out this year or next year, I don't see why Nintendo would renounce it. They don't usually do that. Not like that mm-hmm. anyway. Like a, a game coming out of the future, even though they did do that with Princess Peach. Um, I just don't, I just don't see how this is actually going to uh, be something that we see now. But I, it's definitely something that's real. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, but speaking yeah. of the Switch 2, Pablo, that leads right into our fourth and final hit point news item here, because according to reports from Eurogamer and Video Games Chronicle, Nintendo secretly presented two tech demos for the Switch 2 behind closed doors at Gamescom. They allegedly showed off an improved version of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild running at a higher frame rate and higher resolution compared to the original game on Switch 1. Uh, But more interestingly, they also showcased Epic's tech demo of The Matrix Awakens, which ran on specs comparable to PS5 and Xbox Series X hardware. Uh, So... The question is, Pablo, could the next Switch actually be a graphical powerhouse? And how do we feel about Nintendo's next console possibly being more powerful than the PS4, Xbox One type of uh, hardware that we thought it could be? Yeah, I don't I don't completely buy this in terms of like, I think that the Matrix Awakens demo is more or less a demo in terms of showing the um kind of like the slides or or i would say the adjustability of well, the all unreal the unreal 5. engine 5 stuff yeah 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 uh, the adjustability of that like it can it, it can it can run on a switch too uh but will it look like an xbox series x and i don't think so i, I just don't think it's necessary I, I think that uh the games they make uh and, and 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 the success that they've had with the switch i don't know if 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 them be releasing a console that's equal to the power of the xbox series x is necessary now if that were to be the case fucking hell that's amazing that 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 would be great obviously the price point would be a little bit like okay let's see what this is going to be um uh but i i would say that i don't completely i I think that it's a little misleading uh in terms of the way it's reported i don't think that it is an exact one-for-one I think that hey, the Matrix Awakens demo can run on the Switch too, albeit on a, you know, on a, a, a on some adjusted, you know, configurations here and there. Uh, but I mean, look, if 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 that's the case, then I mean, we're in for it. I mean, it, it, it the Switch Two is going to be one of the greatest things of all time if if it can do what the Switch One did, uh, and then if 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 creative and developers can get behind it and do the things that they've done to make the Switch so successful, and but also have that that graphic powerhouse behind it, uh, and we'll be able to play third party games on there. You know that that would be huge. That would be massive. I just don't think Nintendo. I think Nintendo's very lean when it comes to things that they need and don't need. And to me, I don't think that the Switch Two, in order for it to be a success, it necessarily needs to compete with the Xbox Series X or PS Five. Maybe something a little more comparable to the to the Xbox One Pro or even the Xbox Series S. Maybe uh, I would believe that more than it, it going the other way around. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm of two minds about it because. 
I, I, I get where you're coming from. I think when it comes to like thinking about Switch games and, and how Nintendo develops, they don't need a lot of hardware to make a great game because their art styles typically don't need to depend on like crazy graphical capabilities, right? But I think that it's kind of it, it behooves them to definitely catch up as much as they can to the the, the power race um, because of of two factors. Number one is you're now competing with Steam Deck. Um, and so you, you don't want to look like the kitty device anymore because you, you know, now you're, you're kind of, you're still Nintendo, you're still going to be the de facto choice. But I think if you have the opportunity to have games that look comparable to what someone can, can play on a steam deck or a, a rock ally or whatever, I don't think you pass that up. And I think also in terms of business sense, it makes a lot of sense to catch up graphically because you don't want to leave third party uh, third parties on on the table. Um, you know, if there's a if there's a way to have a Switch Two that can run Star Wars Outlaws, right, which is looking like a pretty graphically intensive video game, right? It, if you're Nintendo, I, I don't know if you want to pass up on a lot of those kinds of games coming to your console because you get a cut of that money if it's you know on your store. Right. Um, so you can't let the gulf between your hardware and the PS5 and Xbox Series X's hardware be too great uh, and, and miss out on those kinds of games coming to your console, um, because not everybody's going to do what, what, what Microsoft did and, you know, give you a 10 year contract for Call of Duty. You know, some people are going to say, look, we can't dumb this down to, to, to fit your console. You know, it was cute with the Switch one when we got the Witcher three and Doom, you know, like that was fun for the time it was a nice little novelty but that was never sustainable and i don't think nintendo can count on every developer wanting to keep downgrading their game to kind of squeeze it into another like inferior piece of hardware all over again for the next six or seven years so i think it does benefit them to catch up as much as they can i don't think they need to, to reach the ps5 or series x level of hardware specs either but maybe if you can find a, a decent middle ground maybe like a series s kind of a of a middle yeah. ground, then that can be good. Um, again, it's more about protecting the next. It all depends on how long they want the console cycle to run for them. If they want, if they want this next console to be sustainable for the next ten years, you you do have to account for hardware now as much as humanly possible. Yeah, I I I, I, th I think that's true too. But I also think it's one of it's going to be one of those things as well where it's like, all right, it's still the same kind of difference between the two consoles where it's like if you're going to get a third party game you're probably just going to get it on, on the Series X or PS5 because that's where it's going to look better so I don't know if, if they weighed that into the decision and then obviously the, there's a the thing that they pr definitely couldn't have seen coming is the fact that maybe this console cycle is going to be pretty short and and you know and if they are there to, to comparable be comparable to the Xbox Series X and PS5 in about two or three years you know, there's a whole new consoles coming out for each of those uh, of those uh, companies, and they'll probably be left out in the cold again. But I don't know if those things are, are things that they could have probably predicted coming into this. But um, I, I I do think I, I do think it's going to be a lot more powerful. Like it's going to be it's not going to come out and be four years old in terms of 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 of, of hardware that it has in it like the Switch was. I don't think that's happening. I do think it's going to be something where it's like okay, you could definitely play some third party games on this, uh, and it'll look not the best but it'll still look pretty good mm. so i think that's definitely a possibility it's just i think that the way that that the report was kind of uh was 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 you know parsed out was like it's on specs 
on par with PS5 and Xbox Series X. And it's kind of like, man, that's kind of misleading because I, I mean, again, that was a case that'd be crazy. Hope, but I don't think that's what we're saying here. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. Look, I don't, I don't rule anything out with Nintendo. They can, they can be either painfully stubborn and and bring out another console that's barely a notch above the last one hardware wise or they go for broke and they go fuck you guys we can we can compete and you know they 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 do what they do what they did with the gamecube right it wasn't as powerful as is its competitors at the time but it 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 could hang and maybe that's what they want maybe maybe they want a console that can at least hang with the big boys but it's funny though because every time that they do something like that, whether it be a graphical powerhouse mm-hmm. of a of, of a console or a console like the GameCube that can hang, it's usually their least successful <laughs> the console. Uh, because I know the Wii U when that came out, that was pretty comparable to like a PlayStation Three, uh, and it, it just it, it had some ga- games on there, but it didn't do well. Like the console itself, not because it's their party, but you know, it's just one of those things where it, it's just funny that sometimes when they do try to bust out some graphics yeah. uh, uh they those are the things that usually don't do as well as a switch or a ds for for yeah. god's sake like it's insane but yeah we'll see yeah there is a certain you know where their bread is butter there is a certain charm to like their the, the modest console that doesn't have the like the craziest specs in the world but somehow just works really nicely there's something earnest about yeah. it but um again i think they have to future proof a little bit more than they've accounted for in previous console generations but i digress for now we'll we'll kind of see what happens once more information rolls out officially from nintendo um some people think we'll hear something at this next direct is a one more thing at the end some people think it's definitely going to get announced next year and don't expect anything to happen uh, between now and the end of this year, but we'll keep tabs and we'll report back once we find out what we find out. But um, uh, before we keep going, ladies and gentlemen, if you made it this far and you like what you've been hearing, why not subscribe to our show? I mean, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google, or anywhere else you go to for podcasts. Um, and if you're feeling extra cool, you could also leave a nice review for us while you're at it. It would go a long way for a small podcast like ours who wants to grow up and be uh, one of the best in the biz. Uh, I think we already are. Um, Hell yeah! Even though you know Pablo brings it down with a lot of sexual innuendos and stuff like that, or brings it up. Oh, you know what I mean? that was nasty! Just crossed my legs. Let's go to the, <laughs> let's go to the checkpoint chat. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right, you got to stop ruining my my call to actions with your horniness. All right, that's just got to not mm. keep happening. But uh, well, you can't call something call to action and not have ah, it be not every no. No, no, Pablo, no, no. <laughs> All right, inside joke. We're gonna leave that alone, Pablo. Don't do that. Uh, listen, it is checkpoint chat time. This is, of course, the main event of cooldown time, and uh, we wanted to take a break from all the the current events happening in the business to kind of look back down memory lane and think about uh, you know listen one one half of the show is very weird, so in keeping with the spirit of Pablo, we decided to <laughs> dedicate this topic to uh, the weirdness of gaming, and so our topic is going to be the weird ass games that won us over. So. Basically, in no particular order, me and Pablo have picked five of the weirdest games we played that somehow won us over, despite our reservations or skepticism. Uh, and then we're just going to kind of talk through what made them so weird and why they clicked with us. Uh, so, Pablo, I think we have a pretty interesting list here of, of very weird games. Yours are certainly very weird. Uh, and I'd love for you to go ahead and kick us off with the first game that is weird as fuck on your list. 
yeah, my, th- that game is Murder Sold, Murdered Soul Suspect. Uh, man, this game is a game about a person who sees himself get murdered and his ghost, his spirit, in order for him to go into heaven to be with his already deceased, deceased wife, has to solve his own murder. And this is already off rip you're like okay what the fuck and i think this game obviously it gets a lot of it gets a bad rep it's not a great game uh in terms of like the 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 execution of the gameplay and all that stuff but i think the concept and the ambiance and the setting it's set in salem uh so it's it's just really weird uh game that you're surrounded by all these ghosts and you're asking and it's basically an investigation game where you're asking all these questions going into these uh into these buildings and 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 kind of attaining information that is going to solve your murder um it's just it's bizarre in every way i mean like you're you're out here uh as a whole ass ghost talking to a whole bunch of other ghosts in salem trying to solve the murder of yourself in order to get into heaven i guess is the uh, is the is the is the the conceit here but it is it is the thing that won me over about the game specifically it's just honestly it's the setting of it it's just salem is known to be this place that's haunted and and they capture that so well here uh through muddled browns and grays but still uh quite nicely captured here and it's it's a weird ass game that has no business being interesting at all and it is it is one of the most interesting interesting games that i've ever played marco you ever played murder soul suspect uh i think i dabbled in it for like an hour and i'm like i i i need to treat myself better as a person so i'm not gonna play this anymore it's so good man it's it's <laughs> it's it's just so weird and i i love i love it for its weirdness man it, it is a weird game uh it, it's it was definitely a, a bold move uh to make a game like that it, it didn't fit the portfolio uh whatsoever but they they did that and you know it was it was all right i just you know i you know i, I value my time like i said um <laughs> i've liked to play weird ass games like uh my first game on the list which i'm a recent convert of and that is death stranding um pablo i've been thinking all afternoon before recording this show how to explain death stranding in a condensed elevator pitch fashion i can't do it i just don't know how uh it is um a very very weird game on the part of hideo kojima um you know it's it's a recent game i don't think it needs a lot of exposition as far as what it is i think a lot of you are familiar with it in some capacity already but it's it's a very strange take on an open world uh type of experience um a lot of you know, it's it's been called FedEx the game. It's it's got a lot of horror elements to it. It's got a lot of weird elements to it. You're carrying around a damn baby uh, the entire time you're playing the game, uh, who's a tell who's apparently uh, capable of telling you whether there are big handed uh, monster ghosts roaming around right. uh, town, as it were. So, What's wrong with that? That's pretty normal. Yeah, you know, typical everyday video game. Um, but somehow in this weird, wacky, roundabout way. Hideo Kojima, the visionary that he is, even though I think he's a hoe sometimes, he somehow managed to pull it off. Uh, and uh, it, it really turned into, after a lot of trial and error with that game, it turned into a very captivating experience for me, where I finally kind of surrendered to the premise not being this Metal Gear-esque action game, but something that's much more subdued, much more about journeying and, um, you know, traversal and things like that. Um 
all with this very deep and in, in-depth in lore, um, almost to a fault, explaining yeah. what everything is in painstaking detail. But you also appreciate that that level of of depth as well, because it felt like everything was intentional, uh, even if it got a little heavy handed at times with its themes. Um, so I, I, you know, I've eaten some crow about it. I will continue to eat crow about it. It is a better game than I gave it credit for. Uh, and it eventually fucked around and won me over. Um, yep. So that's my first game. But Pablo, let me kick it back over to you. What's another weird ass game that won you over? That's Papers, Please. Uh, I was working at uh, this call center and we had I had a Vita and this weird game was on sale and I bought it and I was automatically... It's weird, but I was enthralled. Basically, you play a Border Patrol inspector and you have to let people into the country. And it, this game is segmented by days. So every day that passes, you get a new, a new, um, a new rule. Hey, make sure that... Uh, this thing is on that paper and make sure that if you don't find any discrepancies based on that. And so you're looking at the paper, you're looking it over. It's pretty fairly simple early on. Uh, And then as the days progress, you get down to the point where you are scanning people, you're weighing them to make sure that the weight that's on their paperwork is the actual weight. You're doing full body scans to make sure that their anatomy is correct. Make sure that they're, they say they're female. They really are female, these little things. And it's, 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 it's crazy because it's, Basically, it's it's kind of coming off the Cold War in, in, in Russia and all that stuff, and it's it has a lot of political le- uh, leaning t- to it. But it is such an interesting game where you, all you're doing is inspecting paperwork and making sure the paperwork is correct to avoid terrorists, smugglers, so on and so forth, uh, people coming in. If you mess up and let one of them in, you you done fucked up. And sometimes you, uh, you there's certain discrepancies in paperwork where uh, paperwork might be expired, and that person isn't nefarious in any way, shape, or form. You have to ask the right question in order to get to the bottom of it and if you are able to kind of resolve that let those people in at the end of the day at the end of the game it'll show you your consequences mm. the people that you let in that you, that might have done some damage and, and, and it's all because of you and the responsibilities that you had uh, and it's it's just a it's a really like intriguing kind of like fucked up game in its own way but it is it is fantastic um, I, I love Papers, Please it's, it's a game that I that I think about often, uh, and it, it's it's a great game. It really is. I I've I've been looking forward to kind of a sequel, and there've been rumors, but n- never a game that that's coming to uh, never it's coming to fruition. But yeah, it's a hard game to talk to people about. It's like yeah, you're inspecting papers to make sure they're going into the country. Like what the fuck? That sounds boring, uh, but it's not. It, it, it's it's excellent in every way, shape, and form. Is this uh? Okay, so it's all, it only came to Vita, and I, it looks like uh, only PC. It never, it never came to consoles, right? I don't think so. I've only yeah. played it uh, on Vita. It's uh, Lucas Pope, and he's kind of like this, uh, like art, like artist that that makes these weird uh, uh, games. Okay. I think his most recent game was Return of the Oberdin. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I never. So it has it has a lot of that to it. Uh, I never knew. Uh, yeah, so it, which is it's awesome. Return of the Oberdin is, is is great. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, Papers Please is fantastic. All right, interesting. It, it also, I, if I'm not mistaken, it also came out on like it says uh, as it says a, iOS. Uh, yeah, iOS, yeah, yeah. Android, Windows. Yeah. yeah, cool. I remember that happening, but yeah, Vita was where I I, I played it. Very nice. <laughs> hey, if you guys ever get a chance to play this game, I don't know if it's still on your phone, but I it, I it's a it's a high recommend. I think people will really enjoy this game. 
All right. Well, there you go, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. If you're into something weird and you like Pablo's vibes, go ahead and play Papers, please. Um, all right. I'm going to go with my number two here. This one's a bit of a weird choice for, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's on brand with the topic, but in, for a weird reason. Um, I have Def Jam Vendetta on my list here and, and its sequel, Fight for New York. Hell yeah. Um, this this these two games have such a unique background because they come from the same developer that made uh, WWF No Mercy on the N sixty four. So it's Aki, right? So mm-hmm. they they lose the license to the WWE, and they <laughs> they end up working with I think they I think it was EA. I don't remember. It might I think it was EA um, to basically make a wrestling game slash fighting game based off of rappers from the label Def Jam Records. <laughs> if that's not weird as shit, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's pretty weird. But somehow, Pablo, somehow they made it work, and it turned out to be two of the dopest games I've played uh, pretty much ever. Um, you would think that it would be weird to play a wrestling game with DMX versus Bone Crusher, but Let's somehow... Go. It just worked and it was fun and it was it had the same like legendary wrestling mechanics as as the the WWE and WCW games and it added, you know, a little extra flair and over the top aspects to it as well with some of the moves you can do in the game. Uh had really good music obviously because it was from Def Jam Records. Um and uh, it had pretty interesting story modes for its time, shockingly <laughs> enough. So, you know, it, it not only worked one time, then they do the sequel, Fight for New York, and it's even better. Uh, yeah. it, so it, it, it really blew me away, um, you know, the, the creativity of Aki as a studio to, to go from this hard-nosed wrestling game lineage to something that was more commercialized and still make it work exceptionally well to the point where to this day... There's literally still um, fighting game competitions with Fight for New York that happen. Um, that's how good of a meta they created all those years ago for this fighting game. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that the sheer balls to make a game like this that could have just been a, a cheap, throwaway, laughable cash grab that actually turned out to be one of the best and most nuanced wrestling fighting game hybrids of all time. It's just it, it's it's mind blowing that it worked, but it worked. Yeah, and there's a lot of rumors about it coming back in one in one way. Uh, I, I hope it does. I think it's well. They made that I one that dope. was terrible. I think it was like I, Def Jam Icon or something. It it wasn't yeah, the same. Yeah, I think Fat Joe was like the the main. Yeah, uh, and they had Ludo. The, the face of that. Yeah, it was weird. It was it was it wasn't it it wasn't made by the same team anyway. So no. it didn't it didn't have the same. DNA. I think there's a Wu Tang game as well that there, it's kind of like this as well. Yeah, I heard I heard it's rated E for everyone. You know why? Uh, because no. Wu Tang is for the children. <laughs> uh, Why? And that stay concludes. here. No, stay here. No. You know, don't don't act like that was a bad joke. Don't do that to me. No, that was good. That was good. All was right, good. and that came off the top of the dome. So why don't we go ahead? Ugh, this next game. I don't want. I don't want to. Maybe we should end the show now. But go ahead and hit <laughs> hit your next game at us, man. What, My next game is Dream Daddy. Uh, uh, a just dad got oily, dating, and I got dry mouth. There you go. You got nervous. Uh, it's a dad dating simulator. Hey, listen, uh, visual novel. And basically, I'll give you the gist of it. You're a single dad that moves into this house and you're living in a cul-de-sac. And each house in that cul-de-sac is lived by a 
another single dad. And they each have their own kind of personalities. And basically, it's time for you to hoe out, baby. It's time to talk to these daddies. Talk to them. They each have their own personalities. Some, one, you know, it's and, time and, and, to talk to these daddies. That was on the back of the box right there. It's time yeah, to it's talk, time to, talk to, these to these daddies. daddies. <laughs> But you got and you got all these personalities. You got one that's like an easygoing musician. You got another guy that's kind of like a a rugged, mysterious type, a hard drinking kind of loner. You have a guy that's like into clubs and all that. And each <laughs> and each of those and each of those uh, players, uh, people that you try to talk to, romance or or even befriend, they each have a mini game attached to them. It is a visual novel; it's all conversational. But there are mini games attached to them, and they're each unique to each of those characters. There's one where you're trying to find someone in a club, and and it's it's like it, it's it's kind of like um, it's not like like that that bomb game. The it's on Windows. Oh, pff, uh, I don't know, man. Mine. Why do you mine, do this whatever. It's not. It's not like that. Minesweeper. Anyway, it, it just. Yeah, Minesweeper. A little bit like that. There's like a lot of mini games like that throughout the whole game. But the whole concept is basically you trying to fuck these daddies, uh, <laughs> and, um, and and trying to find true love, because your your daughter Amanda wants you to find the love of your life in one of these. It daddies. sounds and like you wrote them, this game in a weird roundabout way. You, you, you you're taking a sense I, of ownership subconsciously to this that I don't, I, I don't understand. Listen, I, I'm a I'm a straight male here, uh, but <laughs> I think that this game really does a lot for like those romantic ass games, the games that want to be like the uh, like I'm a straight male here. Wow. <laughs> uh, I am because this game is obviously you know. I know, but about, it's the way you said it. All right, keep going. I'm uh, sorry, but I mean, it, it's all right. But but each of these, <sighs> I think it, this does way more than a lot of these dating sim games because each of these uh, characters are fully realized. They're all, they're individuals and they're all, they have their own personalities, and the way you kind of interact with each of them is super interesting. And you, at, at a, a certain extent, you can almost try to kind of sympathize or chastise or even kind of like pretend that you like the things that they like and then obviously with, with varying amounts of um of success each of those things but i think it, it's a wonderful visual novel that you know even if you're not uh, a game uh, man and and it doesn't matter i just think that the way that this game is written how these each of these characters are portrayed i think it's it's an excellent uh, uh visual novel dating sim type of game that i think is is doesn't get enough credit because it is genuinely a great fucking no game. yeah i'll all jokes aside, it I've heard really good things about that game. Mm-hmm. I've I've always been meaning to try it out. I just it's just one of those games that, that they get stuck on the backlog and I can't I can't get yeah. it out. But um yeah, it, it's it's always gotten really good um word of mouth from from what I've heard about it. But um man, they need to hire you to talk about the next game that they make because oh, yeah. you did you did that. Oh. You did all of that. Yeah, um, it's so good. All right, let me go ahead and hit with my third weird ass game that won me over. I have Killer Seven here. Um, That's a weird game. This is—I I think this might literally, literally be the weirdest game I've ever played, bar none. Uh, came out in 2005. It's made by uh, Grasshopper Manufacturer, which is of course led by the infamous Suda Fifty One, um, and uh, of course published by Capcom. Um, this game is so bizarre, uh, but in the coolest way possible. You're literally playing as a guy. Uh, who is uh, confined to a wheelchair, he's an elderly man, and he is somehow able to physically transform himself into seven different assassins whose souls he stole um, from them. 
uh, to basically go around and, um, you know, fight amidst this conflict between Japan and America that takes a lot of weird supernatural turns. And it just devolves into utter ridiculousness. I mean, you're fighting enemies that are called smiles. And when they die, they yell out, thick blood <laughs> when they, when they <laughs> go yeah. down or thin blood when, when, they, when they die. Yeah. Um, you, you run into this one character. I'll never forget him. You, you come across this one guy who's in a weird costume and, and his only purpose in the game from what I remember is you come up to him and he's like, he, put, he has a finger over his mouth and he goes, shh, we're in a tight spot. A real tight spot. And that's literally all he ever does throughout the entire game. Every time you see him, he just goes, no, we're, we're really in a tight spot. We're in a tight, tight spot. Shh. Every time throughout the whole game. That's all he does. So the game is just, it's, it's warped, it's weird. But what made it cool to me was the art style, which is this really heavily stylized, cell-shaded gameplay, which at the time in the mid-2000s, that was the big craze. But this was one of the examples of it where it looked like really badass. Um, and the gameplay was so weird because it, it, it would be a hybrid between an over-the-shoulder third-person game as you're running around. But when you wanted to shoot, it almost turned into a light gun game. It, it, would, it would jump into first person and it would be like a, like almost like a light gun mechanic to it. And it just felt good. Um, so I've always looked at this era of Capcom as really fascinating because games like this, games like Beautiful Joe... Uh, were all part of this initiative at, at, at one point for the GameCube um, that it, I think Project 03 or whatever it was called that were just really bizarre, like artistic, you know, throw something against the wall, let's just see what happens kind of an era for Capcom. And this is one of those examples that it was so weird that it was it was awesome, even though you had no idea what the fuck was going on. Uh, it just all worked. And, uh, I always think about this game when I think about the weirdest stuff I've played and I actually want to play it again sometime. I just can't get my hands on it from anybody, but, uh, it was dope. It was dope. And anything yeah. with Suda 51 in it is usually completely he's, off its rocker anyway. He's crazy. But I, I think story-wise it's probably some of his best work. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely yeah. a fascinating premise to say the least. It just, man, yeah. that the game went places, but, uh, yeah, it sure did. yeah. But what do you got next, man? Yeah. Next one is I, the Somnium Files. Actually, Marco put me onto this. Uh, weirdly enough, he thought that this was a game that I would enjoy, and he was right on the money. <sighs> it is, uh, it is, it is just a, a visual, another visual novel. This is a, kind of like a, 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 it's a theme here, uh, but it's a game basically where you are a detective and you have this AI in your in system and in your body in your eyes. It is basically his eye, right? Yeah. And um, and so you're 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 solving these crimes, uh, specific serial killers out on the loose, and the way it's structured is is super interesting. But I I just think that the humor of the game and 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 the way that the game goes about being slightly off kilter and pretty perverted in many ways. Uh, it is it's kind of its charm to it. I I Somnium Files the sequel kind of oversteps at those boundaries a little bit to a point where it was a little bit. It's not as good as the first one, but just the simple fact that this the way this game goes about introducing its character uh, and then the 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 dichotomy between kind of like the viciousness of the killings and then the lightheartedness of the conversational pieces and how all that comes together and kind of the revelations throughout the game and just the things that you have to do in order to solve these really weird puzzles that really don't have any rhyme or reason until you kind of start finding the, the little things that you've learned throughout the 
entire game, no matter how small, really have a big way of coming out in these little uh, puzzle uh, times where it's really just, uh, it's really, you really have to, to think, you really have to think through the game. But I love how weird it is and, and, and just that weirdness of, of it being gruesome and disgusting, but also being hilarious and and really pervy is, is a, a line that they straddles in a way that many games tend to, to overdo it. Um, even even this year, uh, you know, with, with some of the games that are kind of similar to it, just kind of just just they're just they they, they definitely lose the plot and this mm-hmm. game does not it, it's it's awesome main character is incredible i love this game yeah anything with a detective or a murder mystery i know that's that's gonna have to get you know funneled up to pablo to, to check out and yeah. this one was one that i played um i think it was on the i think it was on the switch where i played it first and i'm like ooh, this is this is right up Pablo's alley. And so I, I think, yeah, I definitely put you onto this one. Um, I like the first game better than the second game by a lot. Yeah. I know you really liked the second game. Um, but yeah, still in all, really, really awesome uh, series that I think, to your point, takes a lot of risks. It, it can be gruesome one minute, hilarious the next minute. Um, you know, and, and the way that it kind of tees off between those two extremes is really interesting. But you're right. It does strike a really good balance between all those points. And uh, it, it turns out to be a pretty fun game to, to work through. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a good it's a good addition here. Um, my next game is Amplitude. Uh, so Amplitude came out in 2003 on the PlayStation 2. This is made by Harmonix, the same studio that would go on to make the likes of uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Um, and, uh, you know, at the time when I first played this game, I had no concept of any type of music based game in, in my whole life. I had no understanding of that whatsoever, but I think what got me, and I might be wrong if I'm misremembering, but it might've been a demo that I had gotten a chance to play somewhere. It might've been, yes. it might've been at a store. It might've been a disc demo I got from a magazine. It was a disc, it was a disc demo. Yeah, I think sure. it was. And, um, I got my hands on that and I'm playing this game and you know at the time I'm I'm trying to understand there's like three dots that come down this this you know down the screen and and when it reaches a certain line I have to press the either the square the triangle or the circle button in unison with that to fill out the baseline and then I move over to the next column and then that would be the the beat and I do all the you know the things there and and man it just it, it, I, I became obsessed and I couldn't stop playing it. I was really good at it. I was, you know, I, the soundtrack was amazing. All the songs they picked were really good. Uh, they have a remix mode where you can take all of the raw beat files and bass files and make your own remix to the song and then upload it online and let somebody else play it for you. So I'd yep. be in there for hours making remixes to all the songs on, on, uh, in the game. And um, the visuals and art style was really trippy and fun and cool. And it was all synchronized to uh, your inputs uh, as well. It it was just a mind-blowing experience. And for somebody that never, ever thought that was a thing in video games, to go from not knowing that to this game coming along and ending up being, I think it's at number like 14 in my all-time favorite games list. Uh, That's saying a lot. So yeah, a weird premise. Obviously, this sort of formula would go on to be popularized with Guitar Hero and Rock Band and so on. I was going to say, people have to understand that this predates that. Right. And even this isn't the first of its kind. There was a game before this called Frequency that was the same thing, just a little bit more rough around the edges. This though, my God, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hours of my life gone. It's kind of the frequency, and this were kind of the 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 
the thing, the structure in which Guitar Hero and Rock Band were then built upon a little bit in oh, terms yeah. of like 100%. the the three lines, yeah. the three lines, and 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 you know timing that to that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I, I thought that DJ Hero would would kind of bring those those feels back, but it just wasn't no. as good. Yeah, not at all. And there was like a there was an amplitude like uh, a new game that came yeah, out. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't it. It wasn't good because of though it, 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 it obviously everything hinges on the music and just the music wasn't no. good on that. You know that's what sucks about it. Yeah, I totally agree. But uh, yeah, man, what is your uh, fifth and final weird ass game that won you over? And this is probably the weirdest game on my list, and that's Doki Doki Literature Club. Again, visual novel, but this game is different. And I'm 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 gonna spoil it a little bit here because I feel like I in order to get the breadth of what what this yeah, is, yeah, kind of have I to. I think I need bit. to talk, yeah. kind of talk about it. So basically, Doki Doki Literature Club starts off as this almost like a, another dating sim type of game where you you move into this new town where your best friend lives there, and she convinces you to join the literature club, and you meet all these girls there you're the only boy you meet all these girls there and automatically off the rip they're all interested in you and you have basically your pick of the litter in terms of who you want to romance uh later that day you go back home and you talk to this girl and she's really into you already and you can pick whether to reject her or 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 not or accept her advances uh then the game has a little bit of a turn because you she she kind of tells you she's she she suffers from depression and you're like okay this isn't the lightheartedness game you thought it was but okay maybe they're just trying to input this we this this serious conversation piece into this game you know because depression is a very serious thing and and let's talk about it here right in terms of how that works with 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 dating someone who has um who has uh depression that's just kind of where i thought this game was going and then something happens where you rush over to her house and you find out that she has killed herself she literally has hung herself the game then stops it kind of gets distorted takes you back to the main menu you hit continue your save file has been corrupted you get what the fuck you hit new game you start the new game it starts off exactly the same except your friend who had killed herself is doesn't exist she's not in the game at all and people don't know who you're talking about but you remember fucking trippy man (laughs) yeah you remember and you're still going through it and all of a sudden you're having these these uh you're trying to have these conversations with people but how about this like who are you talking about you're losing it and then i'll give you one more there's a lot more but one more thing to kind of understand how deep this game goes another instance where this other girl advances and she's really into you oh man you can can, yeah you can uh be with her if you want or not anyway it ends up she kills herself uh, <laughs> kind of skipping some sorry with a knife and the game quote-unquote glitches uh, so you're stuck there and you're watching her body decompose oh, so fucking uh, through nasty, the weekend, dude. uh because um basically you know it, it ends up being just this this really horror like this mind-bending melting horror that that these distortions keep coming up mm-hmm. you find out you know someone's getting abused by their father all these things based on the ghosts of the people who have died who are revealing these things to you it is not what you because this game it, it comes off as this cutesy clear. like dating same yeah. kind of schoolgirl thing yes i wasn't clear enough on that it's definitely like anime girl like oh my god this is gonna be super lighthearted. and let me tell you i had no idea where this game was going because this game came out recently again yeah but i played this game on steam it was free nobody it came out of nowhere and, and people started playing it and all of a sudden the conversation started turning like what the fuck and i was early so i didn't see those conversations turn i just was playing this cutesy sim 
uh, uh, visual novel games that I enjoy, obviously, based on the list. And then this shit happens. It just it was one of the most gut wrenching incredible pieces of like writing and and just the way and we use the word dichotomy between something and something else this is the uh, the epitome of seeing two things just come together and the one thing that you thought was cutesy now it adds to the element of horror because why is everybody so happy and so bubbly surrounding these incredible awful things that are happening to you it is just one of the most surprising games i think if we had the most surprising games list this game would make it on there as well definitely for shock value yeah yeah for shot for sure doki doki literature club uh if you haven't played it uh, i spoiled a few things early on (laughs) i spoiled a lot of things but i would say keep playing it because there's some stuff that happens and yeah it it, it is just eerie but i definitely in order for it to be on this i definitely had to tell you about this because it it it, you it wouldn't make sense otherwise but doki doki literature club what a game what yeah i never played this myself um I don't know. I'm not a prude about like morbid stuff per se, but I think the shock value aspect of the game to me was just, I don't know. I've watched like people playing it like in Let's Plays and stuff, and I'm like, okay, I yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, so I, you know, I've never played it myself. I don't know if I ever will, but I, I definitely agree. This is a weirdo ass game right here, man. Yeah. It's a weird one. It is. It's weird. Um, my fifth and final weird ass game that won me over is a game called Catherine. Um, basically you're playing as a guy named Vincent Brooks. Uh, it's taking place in this like pseudo futuristic Brooklyn and you are basically in a relationship with somebody, uh, named Catherine with a K and you're dating, you're dating, you're dating. And you know, she kind of wants to start making plans for the future, settle down, get married kids. And she's really putting the pressure on you about it. And you're sort of not sure, you know, where you stand. It feels like it's, it's a lot coming at you. And while all this is happening, you, you, you're kind of, um, you kind of, you kind of meet this other girl in this bar that you frequent with your buddies. Uh, and, uh, she's a 22 year old. She's 10 years younger than your girlfriend. Her name is Catherine, but with a C and (laughs) you end up mingling and one thing leads to another. He ends up having an affair, uh, with the, with this other Catherine. And then he's kind of juggling this, this double life of not knowing what he really wants for himself, not knowing whether to kind of settle down and start a family with his current girlfriend, whether he's kind of settling down too soon and needs to kind of live it up a little bit and play the field with other women, um, or who he just wants to be with, or if he wants to be with anybody at all. So the, the gameplay, uh, ends up sort of turning into, a thing where at night he has these dreams where based on whatever he's like worried about with his love life, it'll kind of manifest in his dreams in this like weird puzzle climbing thing that happens. Um, and, um, the game gives you like these questions that you as the player are supposed to answer, not in terms of like how you would answer for Vincent, but like your actual self, a lot of relationship questions about, um, you know, would you cheat if you knew you wouldn't get caught and, you know, stuff like that. And then it'll take those answers and kind of model some of the things that'll do next based on those answers. And I remember, um, I played this game with, um, my girlfriend at the time, just kind of, she was just, she was doing something totally different. Wasn't in the games very much, but I was just playing this game and I had no idea what this game was about. And these questions would start coming down. And as soon as they would hit, she would stop, turn around and like look at me and, and say, how are you going to answer that one? And so, you know, it, it, it was an interesting <laughs> it was an interesting relationship experiment in real life um, to see, you know, kind of how how that 
those answers sort of affect more than just what you do in the game, but the people that are kind of sitting there with uh, an eye on what you're doing. Um, That's so funny. But, you know, it, it's made by, you know, the same people. Uh, I think it's Atlas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's Atlas. It's yeah, Atlas, it's so Atlas. it has the persona-like art style, the trippiness, the, the, the creep factor and stuff like that going on. There's also a horror element to it that I didn't bother to get into, but that's there as well. Uh, and, and the game takes a lot well, of... horror for dating. Yeah, well, there's that and, and a lot of like weird twists and turns that, that are just, you know, typical for an Atlas game in general. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, a really captivating, uh, captivating game that I think, you know, took me by surprise because I just thought it was going to be, you know, kind of like what we talked about earlier. Like, is this like a dating sim thing? So that's not really my, my jam, but it turned out to be so much more than that. And uh, oh. I, I, I thoroughly recommend it. I think it's a really fun game uh, to go back yeah. and play. And it was re-released in 2019 um, for PS4 uh called Catherine full body <laughs> so go check it out if you're interested in it i think it's a really really fun time especially if you're into the persona sort of universe it's a really fun yeah. game i you, you told me about this game as well and it was on sale for like 20 dollars or something i i bought it i played a lot of it i never finished it but i i've always wanted to go back because it's so interesting it's so intriguing. i think you would i think it'd be one of your favorite games if you really played it all yeah. the way through it's it's yeah, really and I, good and, 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 and also, it, it, those those puzzles can get a little bit um, challenging, but you can bypass yeah. them as well. Yeah, they have easy yeah, modes. So. They have like auto complete the puzzle thing. Yeah, if you just want to experience the story, yeah. Because I did that a little bit, and it was kind of like not as yeah. fun. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend that at all. But it's super super interesting, and it's definitely a weird yeah. game. For sure. But, uh, you know, and normally I'm not a big fan of playing games that are on the weird end of the spectrum. But, you know, those those ones that I listed off in particular, plus a couple others that didn't make the cut, like Norco and, and a lot of other ones out there, right. that, you know, just really ended up turning me around. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, this was uh, pretty interesting to look at those weird ass games. And we got plenty more um, checkpoint chats as interesting as this one is in future episodes. But that is going to do it. Uh, for this week's show. If you enjoyed this, uh, please be sure to subscribe to Cooldown Time. Keep us in your podcast rotation every week. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for us. So thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Take care. Make me feel good.